You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, that's A-M-P-I-R-E. Today, I'm joined by my favorite group of young reporters who cover the Washington Commanders, Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington slash Monumental, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times, and Sam Fortier from the Washington Post. At the end of the conversation, they'll tell you where you can follow them. Do yourself a favor, go follow them on social media and you can check out their stuff. A lot of room for a lot of voices on this beat. And I think they have some good voices, which is why I wanted to bring them on. I enjoy doing this roundtable format. And I hope you do too. This is actually part one of a two-part roundtable session because there's a lot to dive into. The second part will either run, will run either um, Friday or Monday. Not sure yet because I may have something uh, may have something special for you on Friday, which would then push part two of this roundtable session to Monday. So there you go. But today, what I talked about with this group is the offensive coordinator search. What jumps out to them about this search? Who are some names that jump out to them? Which way they think Ron Rivera might go? All that good stuff. What what kind of what's the gamble here? Is it going with somebody like a Pat Shermer, who you know what he's done? Or is the bigger is that a, the bigger is that a bigger gamble than going with a guy like Thomas Brown? So we get into all that. We talk about some of the ownership the ownership questions or the the uncertainty and how it could impact the offseason. Some decisions they have to make. Some some of it is on Deron Payne. Then we also talk about the NFL playoffs, how this team compares to those the other teams in the NFC East. How how far behind are they? Is it is it a, is there a big gap? We get into all of that. In part two, we're going to go run down a lot of the position questions and some of the offseason roster decisions I think they have that they're going to get into or need to make. Deron Payne will be in both of these sessions a little bit today, a little bit more in, in the next session. So before I get to that conversation, I wanted to go over a couple things just for a minute here on the offensive coordinator search and just to catch you up on things. So on Tuesday, I'm recording this Tuesday night. On Tuesday, they interviewed Thomas Brown, assistant coach with the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Rams, assistant head coach slash tight ends. So they talked to him on Tuesday. They talked to Eric Studesville, assistant coach in Miami on Monday. So that brings the total to five people they have interviewed, interviewed for this job, including, of course, Pat Shermer, Kenny Zampezi, and then Charles London last week. They are not done interviewing guys, or at least not done trying to interview guys. There, there's nothing as of right now, there's nothing more scheduled for the rest of the week. So I don't know that anything's going to happen the rest of this week. I do not expect a decision on this this week because I think they still have some interest in a couple other guys doing some due diligence right now and guys that have come free a Greg Roman, um, some others that Byron left, which obviously came free. And I think there's some others that they're interested in and who, who may still be alive in the playoffs. And so I think 
some things that happen on Sunday could impact certain things that happen next week or maybe interviews that might take place next week, that kind of thing. So um, I don't know who that would be. You can whatever, but I do know that they're not making the decision now and they do want to see what happens this weekend and then go from there. So as far as anything else we know about that, I don't I don't really know that you can sit there and say, here's the favorite, here's not the favorite. What I do know with a guy who's on the outside, like a guy like Pat Shermer, one of the things that would benefit him, I think, is the work that 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 he did in Minnesota when Case Keenum was a quarterback the one year, I think it was two, was it 2016 or 17, where Keenum had a really good year under him. I think the other thing working in his favor, I believe, would be the fact that he he's comes from that Andy Reid has experience in that Andy Reid system. I think that's something they really want to get to some of those, some of that quick game stuff and creating openings for for receivers for the run after the catch. That's a big thing for the receivers they have. And I think it's also another factor for anybody coming in is going to be how can you make it easier for the quarterback to determine what is going on with with the man versus zone. For example, some of the things you'd hear from other people, whether it's players or whatever, with, with when the sometimes where they go to, for example, an empty set and you just line up an empty. Well, if you line it up an empty, then you know you're you're telling what you're going to do right away. Not only that. But if you line up somebody in the backfield, motion them out, then you can see what is it that they're in, man or zone. So that just finding other ways to give the quarterback some more answers before the ball is snapped and then maybe help them with their reads. Maybe that would help define some more of their reads after the snap. A lot of things like that. So that's all that stuff is stuff that they're trying to weigh and see which way they go. But I think it's one of those things as far as the decision goes is be patient but in a hurry. So when you get that guy for sure, you go through the process, but when you're done, you got to then act because there are nine other jobs or nine other teams looking for offensive coordinators. They're not all looking at the same guys. So, and I don't know that, I don't know that Pat Shermer has gotten interviews with anybody else. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know that he has. So anyway, that's what we know right now. Again, I don't expect a decision this week. Um, I do think they want to get through the weekend, see what happens there and then go from there. So that's all I got. I want to let's right now. Hey, let's get to my conversation with Pete Haley, Matthew Paris and Sam Forty. I always enjoy talking to them. I hope you enjoy it too. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. If you're not a new customer, don't worry. You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg. Add up to 100%. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, I want to bring my hardworking trio back in because I enjoy having them on. I know you guys enjoy having them on. Most of them do a really good job. I don't want to leave anybody out, but I'll just say Matt and Pete keep up the good work. So I don't want to, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have Matthew Pariser from the Washington times, Peter Haley from NBC sports, Washington monumental, whatever, whatever it is now. And then yep. Sam Forday from the Washington post, whose paper is not 
for sale. Okay? Right, Sam? Uh, Not yeah, that, uh, Monday Monday was a weird day, man. Yes. yes. So I'm anyways, just going to leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so I want to bring them on because we have a multitude of topics to, to cover, and I love their insight, and you should too. So I want to start with the op- – when you got something to say already, Sam? I, I, can, I, can I give a quick shout-out real quick? This is this is not related, but uh, my nana, Myrna Hutchinson of of Upcountry Maine, has has this thing called a cricket. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it lets you customize some stuff. And so for Christmas this year, she made me a shirt that says Commanders Football. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Wow. <laughs> Oh, I had to, I had to show out and I had to I have to say thank you very much to my nana for hooking that me up. Is, and I, and if you're not watching on YouTube, you need to get over there even just for that five seconds to see what the shirt looks like. There you go, Commanders Football Beat Writer. That that's fantastic. <laughs> it's, and, uh, I wear a two X. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but also before we get in there too, and it was Matt Paris's thirtieth birthday on Monday. So, and we had a good time at Benihana's. And as I tweeted out, I tweeted out something about how Ben brought the house down when he did that operatic version of happy birthday. You know, who knew Japanese. Ben could read? Yeah. What's that, man? In Japanese. Yeah. Ben and I, I, Japanese. I had tears in my eyes throughout. It was, it was beautiful. It was, it was a touching moment. So anyways, let's get, nobody wants to hear that anymore. let's get to the offensive coordinator search because as we speak, it is ongoing and we're recording this Tuesday morning. So if something comes out Tuesday night, we're all screwed on this conversation. But this will be out Wednesday. So as we stand now, what has jumped out to you about this coordinator search? Sam, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think just the the coordinators that they've they've brought in, obviously, you know, you're looking for someone presumably that can develop a, a young quarterback like Sam Howell. That's who they've, you know, kind of told candidates this is is going to be our guy. And and I almost wonder like with the run first approach at their season ending presser, like would you prefer Sam Howell or is that just kind of who you think you're going to end up with because the market isn't, isn't so good. Um, and so when you, when you talk about some of the bigger names, whether it be uh, Shermer or, or Thomas Brown, who they're interviewing uh, on Tuesday or Charles London, I think that, uh, you know, there, there are certainly some, some candidates with some experience. Um, Ken Zampezi, I know the internal candidate, uh, N- none of these strike me as, as particularly inspiring. I don't think there's a home run in the mix as there, as there would be, you know, um, if you had gotten some of the candidates that that were turning down OC offers instead of head, head coaching offers. Um, but to me, it, it's uh, it's kind of where you're at, right? Like if, if your uh, team is about to be sold and, and you're kind of in a lame duck situation, I think it's really hard to attract you know, top level candidates who are looking to make the leap. So, so I get that they're in a difficult position, but I, I'm, I'm feeling a little uninspired. What do you think, Pete? Yeah. Uninspired is a great way to put it. Um, but I also think asking this team to hit a home run with this hire is like asking a, a eighth hitter in the lineup in the national league to hit a home run where at most he's probably going to hit a double. So I think Thomas Brown of the Rams would be that double. He's a unproven guy. And, and perhaps this is me being mystified by the McVeigh name and and being associated with him but coming from that rams tree i'd much rather see that than pat Shermer or ken zampezi and if it doesn't work then you just get rid of this whole regime next year but at least you're giving yourself a chance it's kind of like sam howell like what are the odds it really pans out i don't know but it's not a retread or someone who's had a chance in multiple stops and put up uninspiring numbers so while i'm feeling uninspired thomas brown would at least 
me up a little bit. Matt, I mean, Matt, do you agree with that? And do you think, you know, it's funny because it feels like part of the gamble here, what's the bigger gamble? A guy like Thomas Brown or Eric Studsville or a guy like Shermer or Zampezi? Yeah, I, I think for me it comes down to what system does Ron Rivera want to run. We've talked a lot about the run first offense that he mentioned at the presser, but you look at his past four coordinators and they've all stuck within this Eric Coriel tree. So if he, he loves that system and wants to retain that, then, yeah, you're looking at a Zampezi, maybe Shermer. Um, it, it isn't the most inspiring group of candidates, but there are some interesting ones. Uh, uh, you know, if if they want to have the Rams zone-based run scheme, like I, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, but uh, I'd be really kind of shocked if they they diverted away from the Air Coriel personally. So it would, yeah, and that's what I can say. What do you, what is it that you guys think they need most from a coordinator? Because for me, when I'm looking at, well, first of all, you need a, a good play caller. And when you're a first-time guy, it's hard to get that. But the other thing I wonder if they need is, and I, the word I keep bringing up is energy. Who brings that energy? And not just the way on the field that we see during practice, a guy running around like, we know like a guy like Chris Harris brought energy. I'm talking as much in the meeting room and the game plan prep. What do you guys think they need most from the next offensive coordinator? I, I To jump in here, like I think they need alignment between the front office and the coordinator, regardless of who it is, because – like if you look at 2021, they had so much success running the running the zone scheme runs with Antonio Gibson, you know, trying to hit outside, and they had athletic guards that could do that. But then you go into last offseason and and you get two guards who who weren't capable of like getting out in space and executing some of the scheme. And I know that like I think Scott Turner actually did a, a decent job in terms of going to more gap scheme runs, running more duo inside. Right. But but I. I no matter who you hire, no matter what scheme you hire, whether you stick with the Air Coriel or you go away from it, like you then have to find the personnel that's that's capable of executing whatever that scheme is, and and that alignment, I think, regardless, is key. What do you think? Energy Pete? and alignment are are good words for me, and maybe this is a little basic, but just someone who's willing to foresee McLaurin and Dotson, um, and watching the Dolphins this year and how they knew they had two excellent receivers and they didn't care about balancing out the offense. They just targeted those guys over and over again. And Washington, Dotson and McLaurin are not at that level and you're not going to have a quarterback like Tua probably who can distribute it, but there's no shame in having each of those guys get double-digit targets every game. It's it's basic, but get your best players the ball. And there's too many times this season where McLaurin's first target, you'd look down and be like, it's the second quarter with four right. minutes left. What's going right. on? And Dotson has to be healthy too, but like, you could have flexibility. Like there's a lot of words I would like, but also just someone who's like, those guys are better than the people across from them. They're our best options. Let's figure out how to get them the ball. And I don't care what the coverage says. They are receiving passes. We yeah. think that for me, it, it, you just touch on it, Pete, but it is the, the play calling aspect of it. I mean, I think we can all agree that Scott Turner designed some cool plays that his designs are pretty creative, but it was just the flow within the offense that, they really started to stall out. And so uh, I'd also, whoever, you know, we haven't really mentioned Sam Howell in this, but if he is working with a young quarterback to be able to have someone who can guide him, you know, I, I think uh, Taylor Heineke and Turner were not on really the same page uh, last year a little bit. I mean, we can all think of that press conference interaction where Taylor said it was the, the cover two aspect of the red zone that was bothering the offense that, they need to call better plays. And uh, Turner said that they needed to throw in tighter windows. That, that exchange kind of really sticks out in my mind. So, you know, alignment with 
a young quarterback, being able to develop him, and then just the actual play calling, I think, is really important. And that's a good point, too, because even in the red zone, because there were definitely times where guys are open that the ball wasn't thrown. And then there's other times where you'd see a play like, I really like this play design, but does it work with this personnel? Like, you brought Sam, you brought up some of the, the, the guards in space, for example, and you'd see a screen like, holy crap, if that's blocked, it's 40 yards. And then the next question is, can those guys block that? Will they ever block that? Is it something you go back to because you think, yeah, that guy can usually do that? So like there were sometimes you think like is that that's a good play call, but is it a good play call for this talent? Did you, yeah, I, th- you- I think that there were there were three to me there were three major factors for the underperformance of the offense this year, whether it be play calling, quarterback, and offensive line, and and obviously Ron Rivera is the one that has to sit down and kind of evaluate that and and has decided like offensive coordinator has to improve. Maybe you can't improve quarterback. So, so can you improve offensive line? Can you raise the level of, you know, can you fix a few of those things? Because I think that inarguably uh, you have the skill, talent, receiver, and running back for this to be a much better offense. Uh, I think tight end could could use some work, um, and, and we could talk about that maybe later if you wanted. But uh, I think he's taken steps. I think he's limited at quarterback, but um, but the offensive line and, and matching the personnel and alignment, as, as I said, is I think – that's that's going to be super key. Pete, is this an attractive job for an outsider? It's like beyond the uh, just there's only 32 of these jobs. Like it's somewhat attractive because of the skill guys, but really the ownership and every person listening to this understands what's going on with the ownership makes it really tough. And if you're uh, a Pat Shermer, maybe you just want to get your name back in the league and, and you're fine with it being a one and done. And hopefully you show, you know, there's not very high expectations. So if you get this group to 15th and scoring average, that's going to be a pretty large step. And you can use that as a, Hey, look, I did a pretty good job. Someone else should hire me. And if you're Thomas Brown, who, you know, you, you interviewed for the Texans job, but maybe you don't get it. All right. This is a logical step. I'll do one year of coordinating. I like what I have and I can make it work and then get the hell out of here. Um, but the lack of quarterback is certainly the biggest deterrent besides the ownership and the O-line. So uh, the core of this offense still has so much to be uh, constructed. And I think that really caps the potential of it. And Matt, he brought the quarterback spot too, because, you know, we're all, we've seen how we know what they think of them. But, you know, if you're an outsider, I guess, how do you look at that with how, because, you know, while they may be rolling with him, do we know exactly where he's going to go and when? And the other part to that is how important is it to not have to have him learn a new offense in his second year? Yeah, no, it's a great point. And, you know, just looking around the league, like why I kind of, I don't disagree that it's an unattractive job, but you know, Washington isn't the only team with a quarterback, like kind of mystery. You look at the Jets, they need a new coordinator, the Titans, the Colts, like, a lot of these teams are kind of in limbo. It's probably Jets. why they're they're searching for a new offensive coordinator. If they had a better quarterback, they wouldn't have had an opening. So, you know, I think coaches would be willing to take a chance on uncertain situation. To me, though, it is the ownership more so okay. than anything else. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, more so, and it's it's is the whole staff going to be here next year? Not, am I, you know, if he's latching on to Rivera, like I thought Jay Gruden brought up a really good point um, that in 2020, he took the job with Jacksonville, 
even knowing that Doug Marone was in trouble and he was willing to take a bet on himself. Now that didn't work out for Jay, but you're, you're going to need a coach like that. I think that like another point I was in, uh, Minnesota for the Vikings Giants playoff game and, and I know that we saw the Giants twice late in the year and and Kime had a couple jokes about how is an offense with with Richie James I think was the guy that you were uh, no, Hodgins. Hodgins, who oh, turns oh, out to be Hodgins. a star yeah, really <laughs> right. but like what what Dayball <laughs> has has done with that offense with like legit two weapons right. like if 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 you're an offensive coordinator and and you say like hey I'm gonna come in and, and regardless of what Sam Howell is like I'm gonna get, like to Pete's point I am going to get him to throw the ball to Terry McLaurin on some slants or whatever, and we're going to create yards at the catch. We're going to be a good offense because we have way more weapons than some of these other teams with successful offenses do. Maybe you even try to use Sam Howell's legs. I don't know if he's a runner quite like Daniel Jones, but like there are, you know, just the counterpoint is there, there are a lot, there are some definite things to like here. Sure. Absolutely. I, I think what's what about New York's situation, just sorry to jump in real quick, is that he's working with Mike Kafka too. I, I don't think they knew each other. <laughs> It was kind of sort of an outside-the-box hiring. Right. He trusted Kafka with play calling. You know, I thought it was a really gutsy hire, and it's paid off. Like, those two um, kind of brought their philosophies together, and it's worked out really well for the Giants. So, it, you know, as much as we talked about being aligned philosophically between Ron and whoever the next coordinator is, you know, maybe having a guy with some different ideas helps too. That I agree with that. The question, though, is Dable goes in there. It's his first year. You know you have a long leash. That leash isn't, we don't even know who the owner is going to be next year. So how long is that leash to allow him to do that? So it feels like, the, I mean, not feels like the ownership situation does kind of loom over every offseason decision, doesn't it, Pete? Yeah. Like, and, you know, the Texans and the Panthers are worse teams. They were two of the most unwatched. I guess the Panthers had a really good second half, but still they're, they're teams without a head coach. So whatever OC takes that job is going to be starting fresh. The Texans have the second and the 12th pick overall. The Panthers have the ninth. So maybe you can pick your quarterback and really just have this whole uh, horizon in front of you. The commanders don't have that draft pick. They don't have the ownership figured out. They have a head coach who's on his fourth year. Um, I, I I guess you can, you'll get total control of the offense. It's not like Ron's going to be ducking his head and suggesting plays and, and, and in LA with the Rams, like McVay is going to be calling plays. So there are little things that make this appealing, but still the big picture stuff just really sinks it and it's going to take someone who's got some some you know what's to come in here and then put his career kind of on the line to to show out and, and what i would say is probably going to be a one-year gig yeah and, it, and sure you, which, uh, which is possible and, and say, i'll get to you in a minute sam but like with with that because you may get a guy who either just like you said earlier wants to get back in league or someone who realizes that this may be my first best shot at it and to be honest if you're a minority coach and you're not typically on this path it gives you that path, but you also want to make sure you're putting yourself in a good position. So that way, you know, you're not being set up, not being set up to fail, but you have a best chance to succeed, but go Sam. I know you had something. I was just going to say, make sure you put the explicit tag on this episode because Pete said, you know, what's, but yeah, sorry, Kai. <laughs> if, if I'm Ron Rivera, I actually think the short leash sort of would, would encourage me to make that outside the box hire. Cause to Paris's point, like, when you bring in a fresh idea, Ron Rivera has tried the retread. He has tried rebuilding Carolina, the Commanders. Like that's been the joke, and and it hasn't led to the results that he's wanted. So I think that's almost an argument to say, okay, I got one year. Like I got to push a, a push the button I haven't pushed before, or I got to try something totally different. Will he do that? I'm skeptical, but 
But I, I think that that would almost be an argument for it. Yeah. To, to Ron's credit, to Ron's credit, like as much as he's hired guys that he's worked with before, I mean, I think kind of an outside the box hire for him was Jack Del Rio, and that's been the more stable of the two coordinator positions. You know, they didn't work together previously, and Les wrote that story back in 2020 about how Jack called Ron looking for a job, and you know, I think that's kind of you know. They're aligned philosophically, but they didn't necessarily run the same schemes. They, you know, Jack, I think, adapted to a lot of what Juan likes to do, you know, with the three safety stuff and everything. But um, that is, it's why if I'm a Washington fan, I'm not completely discouraged. But, I mean, let's face it, Ron has hired a lot of people he knows and is comfortable with. And to that point, which is a good point, but Del Rio also has a track record in that role. And so, but that's also what would concern me because, you know, Pat Schumer has a track record in that role and it's not always, you know, I'm, you talk to people about it and it's, and it's not always one that wows people. So at least Del Rio had a, there was a track record of success as well. So I think there, but it, so it allows you, it gives you a little bit more of a baseline to say, this is a good hire because, but yeah, I think, but I do think you're, you're right though, that it, it shows, okay, do you go, will you go outside? And I think the, the the big thing is, do you want to put a second offense on Sam Howell in year two going into this? And what, how similar is what you want to do to what they're already doing? And so that'll be a, a big thing. You know, what other, what other factors, when you look at the ownership decision, what are the other things that you think that's going to have an absolute impact on this off season, Sam? Besides ownership? Besides, no, the ownership situation Besides, like you know, some of the uncertainty that we already talked about, what are some of the other fact? What besides the OC, what are some other decisions that they're going to make internally that are going to be maybe um, more impacted by the uncertainty of the ownership situation? Yeah, I mean, I know that Jason Wright has said and, and Ron Rivera has said both the business and football side will not be affected by this in terms of spending, and I know that you know, especially with football contracts, and you know, if you're if you're buying a seven billion dollar franchise, are you really worried about? you know, one big splash contract and free agency, but maybe it's because, you know, I've been watching the, the national situation, but like, it just, it just strikes me that I could envision a future in which, you know, Dan says, Hey, don't spend big in free agency, or you, you don't have the financial flexibility um, that maybe you would like. And so I think the way that that would manifest is if you are interested in Derek Carr and Derek Carr gets released, can you then not be as aggressive as you would like when you're bidding against you know, all the other teams that would be in his market. I, I imagine that the roster building part of this, and I think they have like set themselves up for like decently well, especially with the last two draft classes. I think that there's a lot to like there and I think they have a solid foundation, but um, and I'm not saying redo the William Jackson signing, but if you were going to go try to make a William Jackson type hey, man. splash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I'm keeping it private. Go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, then I then I wonder if you have the the you know flexibility to make that move. Yeah, like uh, you're looking outward, but even Deron Payne, this is a guy who's looks yeah. like a centerpiece of your defense. And Ron always talks about freaking star Latulale, like he's you know the greatest defensive lineman ever. But how he likes having two defensive tackles. He's got John Allen and one, but can they get Deron Payne? Locked up as another? Is it going to be the franchise tag? I don't know. So, yes, the roster building, I think, is the next big piece. But I think, like, even even to that point, like, regardless of, of whether you have the capacity to do it, like, should you pay Deron Payne? Because you were paying right. 
those two, like the the two inside, and then Montez is coming up, and then you also want to keep Kim Curl. Like, I just, uh, yeah, you might have a quarterback on a rookie contract, but I just don't know if that's good business. And sure. Matt, how do you think this affects, like, even the court, like Sam brought up the quarterback decision? How much of this, you know, in their decision to tell people or whatever that Sam Howell will go in the offseason as the number one quarterback and there'll be a competition? Do you think that's a strong belief in him, or do you think that's a little bit about? ownership uncertainty and what they can spend it's probably a little bit of both and even more so God, i need to stop saying that <laughs> that for anyway um I, I think a third factor there is rivera's tried the high price veteran you know sam Howell has a lower cap hit than a, a lot of what they've tried before so it, it's a it's a new way to try and build out the rest of the roster especially if they want to redo the offensive line. I mean, we can we can talk about it, but there are legitimately four spots that could be completely redone on that line by next season. I mean, center is definitely left guard, right guard, and then depending on what happens with Cornelius Lucas, or if you want to try and upgrade at one of the tackle spots, it would make <clears> sense <throat> to do so. I think the thing for me with the spending, it's not so much do they pay Duran Payne, because you know, I think you could get away with the franchise tag with that if they wanted to. Um, it's a guy like Cam Curl. Are, are you going to commit significant resources to the future to give out that big signing bonus? Um, I think with the ownership uncertainty, that that's kind of where you get into it, is trying to extend guys down the road and how much do they actively work uh, to do so. And and then the other the other thing I wanted to address, or at least kind of bring up now, looking at the NFL playoffs, or looking at the playoffs, these of course the NFL, we're talking about the NFL, but looking at the playoffs, <laughs> and the and the NFC East, and you got all you know you have the obviously the Eagles, Giants, Cowboys all make the playoffs, get the second round. Where do you think after watching the first couple of rounds that this team stacks up going into the future against these other teams? Because obviously the Eagles are the class of it. Did are, is there are there cracks more with Dallas and the Giants? What do you think, Sam? Looks like you have something to say. I well, <laughs> when you talk about what's the difference between this team and the three other teams, in the NFC East, it's hard not to say. Quarterback. Quarterback. <laughs> uh, um, but, not give your serious answer. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm just trying to. I didn't know if Paris wanted to jump in. That seems like his his sort of deal. <laughs> um. I mean, no, my, my serious answer, I think kind of to the point about alignment is like when the Eagles figured out that like Jalen Hurts would succeed best in an RPO based offense, they overhauled it. They built a line around it. They went and got, you know, some vertical threats, uh, especially with, you know, AJ Brown that he could throw out on the field to the, the Giants leaned more into um, the running game uh, with Daniel Jones's running game. Uh and, and the Cowboys, other than having Zeke snap that one ball, uh, seem to really maximize Dak. And, and so I think that, like, they adapted to their personnel, which sounds really basic, um, but I think is, is like a real thing that is the difference. And, and they were creative about it. Like that RPO based offense with, with Jalen Hurts is, is fascinating. And I think it's, it's really effective. Um, and I know that, you know, Logan Paulson has, has broken it down probably on here and, and elsewhere, but, um, I think that's what separates them is, is that they've had really good uh, offensive like shifts to their personnel. And and Pete, like to, the other thing is this team was eight, eight and one. It's not like they were five games behind these three there. You're talking about a couple games where, you know, 
the, obviously the Cowboys and the Eagles are a little bit ahead, but between them and the Giants, I still don't know how they didn't beat the Giants once this year. I'm not sure I'll ever figure that out. But you know, so Isaiah where do you? Hodges, what, baby. Isaiah Hodges, yeah, that's true. Right. <laughs> Who knew, man? Who knew? So, <laughs> I mean, the the one thing you're in, in that light is like, yes, I would take if I could choose. I would be any of the teams but Washington. But there's that stat about the NFC East, no repeat winner since 04. It's still alive. So things can flip very quickly. And you're right. Like, they beat the Eagles. That game was maybe a very everything worked. Uh, it's like when Sam Fortier sits down at the poker table, he's just getting aces and, and pairs left and right. Like, it really worked out for him. But they but beat they the did. Eagles. Yeah, and they beat the Cowboys. They kicked their, uh, you know, more explicit, they kicked their butts in that yeah. final uh, game. And sure, maybe the Cowboys were looking ahead. And then the tie and then the loss of the Giants, those were both very, very uh, thin margins in those games. So in terms of the division, I think they'll enter next year as the fourth favorite and have to fight their way up. But, you know, the Giants, they have a big-time arrow pointing up, but they still have to fix that roster. The Cowboys feel like they're always on the teetering edge, and they could have a head coach question and a quarterback question. The Eagles seem to be very sustainable, but the two teams between the Eagles and the Commanders, I think, are pretty tangible for Washington if this offseason goes pretty much according to plan and they can improve where they need to. And the funny thing is I also wonder, because the Giants are going to have to make some moves to improve that roster, but they also may lose their offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, to another position. And if they did that, wouldn't it be funny if Scott Turner ended up calling, like even as a quarterback's coach there, even something like that, like, wouldn't that be funny? (laughs) Anyway, Matt, what do you think about this whole topic? Yeah, I think the thing that really stands out to me, especially about how Philly's built, is they're just so dominant in the trenches, especially that defensive line. It's really impressive, and that's kind of where if we are making an argument to retain Deron Payne. That's kind of where it starts as you look at the, the success these playoff teams have had. And I know that gets thrown out around every kind of year is look at the trenches, rely on the run game in the playoffs. But, like, it is – there is uh, some truth to it, I think. And um, the only thing – like, not to harp on the, the quarterback thing, but the reason why I really disagreed with Rivera at the time even ignoring the Kellen Moore aspect of it, they're not Kellen Moore, um, Cooper Rush, who was starting for Dallas at the Same time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is that they didn't have that continuity at quarterback. Like the, the Giants had a whole new system. The, uh, maybe I'm getting too much into the weeds here, but there is something about being able to adapt on the fly. To Sam's point, I mean, the Eagles changed their entire offense, especially last year um, when they hit that score. What they were like two and six, three and five, something like that, and then they redid it, and made the playoffs. So you just got to have to be adaptable, and I, I think that is what also kind of separates uh, a little bit of these teams too. Is that Washington does adapt, but is it too late? I mean, we haven't even talked about them starting slow in every year of Ron Rivera's tenure, and I, that that's a big thing. Well, if they want to turn this around? They have to start faster. You cannot. It's all about the weather in training camp. <laughs> got to wear those. It's too hot. They might get some issues there. <laughs> You cannot afford a, another slow start with a new owner. You just can't. Yeah, I don't think you. I don't think you're going to survive that um, if you do that. But we don't even know who the owner is. So how do I know that? But uh, you can't afford another one. Anyway, fellas, tell the tell the folks where they can find you, and we're going to come back, record a second one, talk about some personnel issues and all that. So for those listening, you can hear that one in a couple of days. But Sam, work Sam, Pete, Matt, tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at WashingtonPost.com or on Twitter at Sam, the number four, T-R, S-A-M, the number four, T-R. 
Thank you, Sam. I'll definitely try and, uh, you know, follow you. I'll, I'll, I'll check you out and see if I like what you're putting out there. Uh, at Pete, Pete Haley, N-B-C-S-H-A-I-L in the Haley. So hail to the commanders, in, indeed. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S, like the Pokemon. Anyway, uh, and then you can also find my work on The Walking the Times. And you... You didn't want to bring up your OnlyFans account, Matt? Oh, God. Crashing the server. All right. On that note, it's time to go. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys, for coming on. And we're going to record another one. So stay tuned for that. And you guys, again, listening, you can hear that in a couple of days. Thanks, fellas. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Matthew, Pete, and Sam for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back on Friday with another podcast. And again, it'll either be part two of this or somebody else. Talk to you next time.